You are listening to The Airing Cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Hello, my old friend. Hello. Um, you're calling us from a, a distant place on Skype. Yes, now thank you for, for giving me this opportunity to share this story, which I found very important in my life indeed. Um, actually, I was working in Yemen as humanitarian worker. This is the voice of a very old friend of mine, a very dear old friend of mine. I suppose we've known each other for close to 30 years now. Um, we both grew up in Belgium in villages that were not too far from each other. And although he was a little bit older than me, which I'm sure he doesn't want to be reminded of, um, we became firm friends very quickly. And he would be the type of um, guy that would appear on a late Sunday afternoon when you already start having the feeling that your weekend is over and that the dread of starting school life, it's slowly seeping in your head. And then he would appear and he would be ready for an adventure. And I would climb in his old battered car and we would drive the two hours to the seaside to see the sunset or we would drive the three hours to the depth of the forest in the Ardennes to listen to the bellowing of the stag or we would just take a bottle of wine and sit in a field and look at the cows whatever he always had these ideas about making life fun he is a very optimistic person probably one of the best optimist that I have ever known and he was studying at university when I met him he was reading political science he finished and very quickly he started working for an international organization sorting out the bigger problem of our world and he started traveling a lot and living in different countries And he moved from country to country and from post to post. And often he would be in very difficult places. And truly his work had become a vocation, I feel. And right through these 30 years, I felt his optimism had never faltered him. He had never dipped in his energies, in his endless energy. And then he was posted in Yemen, in Sana. And I remember calling him late at night on internet calls and our conversation would be interrupted by sounds. And he would tell me not to worry about it. They were just bombs falling. And you could hear them. I could hear them in the comfort of my little home in England. And I could feel, almost, through the call, I could almost feel the, the fear of those bombs constantly falling around you. The lack of peace and then everything else that I cannot comprehend that people go through when they live and work in such places. 
And when I would put the phone down after those late night phone calls, I couldn't but worry about the impact of such pressure and stress would have on one's nervous system. And indeed, when he eventually left Yemen, when all the international workers had to leave Yemen, I felt it was probably fragile and weary and in not such a good place. From there, he was then posted um, in Egypt, in Cairo. And the first thing you do when you arrive as a foreign worker in a place like that is that your company asks you to, to find yourself a place to live. And for him, finding a place to live was quite an important one this time. It had always been quite important, but this time even more so because he was feeling fragile and vulnerable and he needed a place that would shelter him. So we started looking and the first idea was to find uh, and look for a place near his office, um, which he then realized probably wasn't a very good idea because he's a workaholic and um, you might as well live as far as you can from your office when you are that type of character. And he took advices from his colleagues and other people around him in Cairo and he then decided to concentrate his researches on a small area of Cairo, a very leafy area and very quiet area because that's what he felt he really needed. He was desperate for quietness and peace. And on the first Friday he met up with um, an estate agent who had a list of 20-30 properties for, for him to view and they drove to the small area of Cairo in which they were concentrating their research and off they went from one place to the next, most of it by foot because the area was not very large in any case, so it was from one road to the next. And each time he would walk into a property and the estate agent would be ever so enthusiastic and excited doing his job properly, obviously. Each time he had this feeling of dread, thinking this is not where I want to be. And then he would move on to the next place and again the feeling would come back of not wanting to be living there. And he was quite weary walking the streets following the estate agent and with a feeling that maybe he wasn't going to find this perfect place that he was truly, really seeking inside himself. And there, turning the corner of a street, he suddenly found himself in front of a very peculiar house. It was very large and old and maybe a little quirky with an amazing garden all around it big trees and it was a house that was speaking to him. I am going to look after you. But sadly that house wasn't for rent. It wasn't one that was on the list. But anyway they had to carry on. They, they researched and off they went and carried on and again place after place 
he just couldn't find what he was looking for. Next Friday came and off they went again. More houses, more places to view, more apartments, and each time the same feeling of dread and the same weariness. The day was drawing to a close and there were still no results and in the last, very last apartment that they viewed, he then said to the estate agent, you know what, I'm going to take this one. We're not going to do another Friday like this, looking at places. I'm, I'm just going to take this one. And the signing of the documents were going to be put in place for a week later and things were organized. And that very evening, after leaving the estate agent, he then went for dinner with some friends. And there, very weirdly, he bumped into a girl that he knew years ago in Belgium. They were happy to see each other again and speaking about what, what had happened in their lives and things like that. And my friend told her that he was looking and he had just decided for an apartment. And she said, oh, that's so bad. I bumped into someone um, yesterday, a very lovely gentleman, and he just told me that he was looking for a lodger. I don't really know where he lives and I don't really know the place, but um, he was such a lovely gentleman. Maybe you should meet him. And so she gave him his phone number. And the next day, he gave him a ring. And it was arranged that he would come and meet him in his garden for coffee. The address was given over the phone. And off he went in a taxi. Drove through Cairo. And the taxi stopped right in front of the big quirky house that he had been looking at. He looked again at the address and asked the taxi driver, are you quite sure? Yes, this is the address, this is the place, the house is this one. And so he found himself standing in front of the gate of the big house and he rang the bell a small lady came to open the door. Through the garden, extraordinary garden, birds and flowers and colors and big leaves everywhere, the sound of fountains. And then through the house, which was full of old furniture and old paintings that reminded him of his own childhood, and onto the terrace where a small table was laid and waiting for him and he sat there and the maid said the doctor will be there soon and he stayed there sitting and seeping the peace and the happiness that the place was bringing to him just staying there and listening and the doctor did arrive and sat and together they had coffee in the late afternoon and they realized they were sharing so many common interests. He explained to my friend that his grandmother was Belgian having left Brussels to go and study art in London and there on the benches of the academy she met a young Egyptian man that eventually she fell in love with and married and eventually moved back to, to Cairo with him. And they obviously found they had great affinity. And I suppose for my friend, it was a little bit like 
having the comfort of home to be speaking with this older gentleman in a garden that reminded him of a place that he knew. And so eventually they got up and decided to go visiting this apartment that he had for rent. And indeed they went through the houses again, looking at paintings and objects that reminded him of his own childhood and arrived in the apartment that was available for rent and of course it was the right place for him. He loved it immediately. It spoke to him immediately and it was a bit like if the entire place was saying to him, I shall look after you now. And the doctor left him there so that he could take some time on his own in the space of the rooms. And he said that the most of the furnitures were covered with a fine dust because the place had been shut for so many years. The windows were creaking as he opened them onto the garden and he just sat there in the peace and he knew he was going to be okay. It might sound strange for you to, to actually uh, listen to a story where I put a house as the central place. But, but actually, you have to understand, um, I've been in, in my work moving from a place to another uh, every two, three, four years. And, and each time, even if it was for a week, I, I always wanted to find a place where I feel I feel very well, where I feel home. And, and home, it's not just a house, it's just not like uh, an amount of bricks around me. It's, it's really um, giving me the energy to, to feel comfortable, to feel well with myself. It's like a refuge where I can bring back my values and, and particularly my childhood. And so that's why when, when I saw that house several times passing in front, it was really talking to me the same way. It was really telling me like that will protect you and bring bring you the energy. It might sound ridiculous and that's also why I, I dare telling it through this mechanism, this this story, because I never talked about it before. But I realize how important it is and particularly in my life at that moment where a, a lot of values have been um, like, like struggling because of what I've seen and what I've I lived through uh, when, when I was in Yemen, I really needed a place to find back like peace inside. And inside you have your values and, and, and you find the energy to actually just go back and again start working and helping others because you have the strength. And when I saw it, and when the taxi dropped me in front of that one in particular, I, I was like, this is, this is exactly what, what I need today. And I really look for a place where I can find that energy. So that's why the story of this house is, is to me extremely important. And that was such a beautiful uh, moment in my life. And since then, I'm living in that house and I don't regret a second my choice. Thank you so much for your story. It's a very soft and tender story. Thank you for sharing it with us today. No, thank you for giving me the chance to actually express that, which, I, as I said, it's, it's not every day that I would, uh, because it's very, 
profound and inside me. So it's it's a good it's a good way also to express it, and I, I hope others will enjoy. I'm sure we'll all enjoy it. Are you actually sitting in your house right now? I am. Yes. And can you describe what you see from where you are sitting? Well, uh, my living room is full of windows, and all around I see only trees, and birds, and flowers, and it's it's just a little paradise.